show you how. All right, everybody, welcome to the Build Your Own Funnel podcast. This is the podcast where we inbound marketers talk to you guys, remodelers, about how to create your own inbound marketing and sales funnel. We're never shy about diving into the weeds and giving concrete examples of campaigns that we have seen and run that have worked boosting sales for remodelers like yourself. I am your co-host, Malachi Price, and inbounds and Builder Funnels inbound marketing consultant. Thanks. Yep. A couple <laughs> minutes in, already messed it up. Today I am joined by Builder Funnels president and co-host of this podcast, Danielle Russell, and our consulting specialist and DJ Matt Ehrlich. Hi, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> Today <sighs> Uh, quick aside, maybe you, the listener, have noticed by now, but we never know what Matt is going to do with that soundboard, so it, it tends to take us by surprise. Today, we are talking about, okay, so on episode seven, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about top of the funnel content and how it's pretty common for your best ranking piece of content, your best ranking blog, assuming you're doing inbound marketing, Uh it's pretty common for that best ranking blog to be just a top of the funnel thing that might not even be about remodeling, for example. Today, we're going to talk about once you have that, once you have that blog that's getting a whole bunch of uh, views for you, how do you turn that into a conversion opportunity for you? How do you optimize that so it's actually helping you from an inbound marketing standpoint? And Danielle is going to guide us through a lot of that with a specific client that we've worked with. So. First, let's talk about what we're drinking today. I'm going to start because I'm really boring. Um, it's just water right now. It's it's early July. It's hot out. The Colorado sun is insane. I just need to stay hydrated. That's all. And I recommend that you do the same. Danielle, do you have something more interesting for us today? Sure don't. It is a water kind of day. It's a hot summer. Uh, I'm pretty sure Matt said this before, but hydrate or dehydrate. I'm in it with you. Matt, do you have something more interesting for us? Um, fans of this podcast will remember that um, I do like V8 original 100% vegetable juice. So once again, I am drinking V8 uh, original 100% vegetable juice. Do you have like a bleh sound effect? Because that's what's appropriate right now. I have like... Yeah, I mean, that's close, I guess. So that's All right, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. So, Daniel, I'm going to throw it over to you. Tell us who. Tell us about this client. Tell us about the blog. Tell us about optimization, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you. Thank you. This client, a little bit different from most of the clients that we're going to talk about on this show, because they're a subcontractor, and they're a consultant client of mine. So I'm not actually doing the work. I, <laughs> I walk alongside them and teach them how to do their own marketing and then help run audits, keep them informed on their analytics, all that kind of stuff. So right. um, a lot of what I'm about to brag about right now is their actual blood, sweat, and tears, their hard work put into their own marketing. And I've just kind of been like the, the bumpers. Um, so this client in particular is an electrician near Portland, Oregon. And just like in episode seven, we found that breadwinner blog that's bringing in 
almost all of their organic traffic and <laughs> and also some direct traffic which what that tells us is that could be a bookmarked page so people are just returning to a bookmarked page and for this client this topic has increased their traffic they're previously getting um like on average under 50 views per month and now they're averaging around 600 or so per month thank you uh so this blog topic is how to label an electrical panel the right way and it has some other keywords in it it's like a local blog but uh the point being that this is what most people who, when they don't know anything about electrical and don't even know how to research anything about electrical in their home, this is a really good entry-level starting point. Everybody has at least one electrical panel in their home, if not more. I have two. Um, and if it's not labeled correctly, we've all had that pain point where the power goes out and you're like, oh shit, okay, I literally don't know which breaker is which. Um, these don't make sense, or maybe your panel is too full and that's why your power's always going out. So it's it's kind of like the tip of the iceberg for anybody who's starting to research electrical problems in their home. And it really is geared towards DIY, which is typically not something that um, we would recommend to try and bring in right. leads per se, mm -hmm. because you know our clients want to do the work and get paid to do the work and have people call in who respect that you're doing the work because you're the expert and they can't possibly actually do these things. Um, electrical, and especially in certain cities and states, is illegal to do your own, first of all. So that's a little bit less of a concern with this particular contractor. Mm -hmm. um, but also the, the point of this blog is that is really to point out like how difficult it can be if it's not done by a professional. And like, sure, here's everything. Here's how you can do it yourself, but also probably don't. And here's how you can call us. Here's how you can convert. So we found this breadwinner blog very quickly in starting to work together about two years ago in doing some, um, we're going to talk about all of these things on future episodes, but content gap analysis, some competitor analysis, knowing what basically like other competitors in the area were ranking for or weren't writing about that they could rank for. So we went for it. One of those like classic overnight successes. And it brings in like 2000 views on average a quarter or so. So it's doing really well right now. Thank you. Um, but what's really important to note is that these things, especially in electrical coding, changes constantly. Like every month or so, there are new electrical codes that are published. So in order for this blog to continue to rank and stay relevant and for it to be trustworthy when someone lands on it, it has to be updated frequently. So what I really wanted to be able to share with our dear listeners and viewers of this episode is how to continue to keep pages that like once they're ranking, once you find that breadwinner blog, how do you keep it relevant, keep it ranking, and then also start to like curate that experience and help people find the next step that's relevant to that page and trying to guide them down the funnel in a helpful way. So the overall strategy that we're talking about is increasing website traffic 
and keeping your content relevant when it's like an evergreen topic, like how to update an electrical panel the right way, um, how to keep it super relevant, super accurate, and build that know, like, and trust. And then some of the tactics uh, we'll jump into, I'll pass the mic over to Mal for that, but um, just really uh, high level for this blog in particular, the main tactics that we implement to keep it ranking uh, every month, you probably get an email from Google Search Console that tells you what your top performing pages are, um, what mm-hmm. you know, how many new clicks you've gotten. It's a very specific email, and if you actually click the link and see the results on a separate page, you can get this huge report on the top keywords, the search queries that people are typing in when they land on your page. So one of the first things that we started implementing was whenever we get that report every month, we pick some of the keywords that aren't currently in there, but are related to the search. So that's why they showed up. Um, We pick some of those keywords and add them into the blog. So we're always adding new keywords with helpful, relevant content to continue to expand this blog, keep it ranking, keep it helpful. We add new images whenever we add a big section of code or whatever whatever it is, the new content that we're adding. And then whenever we're adding a, a new section, we add an internal link. So we add a link from their own website in that section to another relevant page. So let's say uh, this person is reading about how to correctly label their electrical panel And the most interesting section to them is about their electrical car charger in their garage. And we'll have a whole section on that. And then they can click through to that service page and learn all about that. And how my client is the master electrician in the area here, like all of his reviews, everything. So we're trying to curate that experience so that people can identify because here are all the things that can go wrong with electrical in your electrical panel. Here are all the sections we're writing about that. Here are links to those service pages. Now you're on the service page. You're you're seeing the gallery of do's and don'ts. You're seeing um, an electrical fire waiting to happen. So there's like a sense of urgency, maybe a little fear (laughs) thrown in there, Uh, making sure people act and reviews, testimonials, and then a form. Um, Yeah. So Mal, I'm going to kick it over to you to talk about the actual like specific tactics of keeping a page ranking, AKA optimization. And um, what what we typically do for clients when we're the ones implementing services and um, helping keeping their content ranking. Yeah, absolutely. So we're assuming that you already have your big breadwinner blog that's performing really well. So now we wanna optimize it. Say it's a year later, or maybe it's only even a couple months later, but you're getting thousands of views and you need to capitalize on it somehow. You need to make it more of a conversion opportunity. Danielle actually already covered a lot of the most important stuff. So I'll reiterate some of those things. If you're gonna optimize this blog, you're gonna wanna go in and you're gonna wanna add more relevant and beautiful images. You're gonna wanna add more keywords that are relevant to the topic. And if, if you need to also expand the content of the blog itself in order to actually appropriately cover those keywords. 
um, you're going to want to add new links in the text to other relevant pages on your own website. And I have a few additional of my own in addition to uh, what Danny said. Um, when it comes to keywords, uh, this isn't so much an additional tactic as an addendum to the adding additional keywords tactic. You want to make sure that you're ranking for your, you want to maintain rank for the pre-existing keywords that you already have. So what I mean by that is when you optimize a blog, don't just rewrite the blog. Don't do that unless it's Bruh. a crappy blog, which in which case, you know, that we're not even talking about a breadwinner blog anymore. So what I mean is that if you're going to optimize a pre-existing blog, look at which keywords it's already ranking for and make sure that you stay ranking for those. If you completely rewrite the blog, you might get rid of the rankings that you have for pre-existing keywords in there. If you're getting rid of the content that was helping you rank for those keywords. So remember, you're adding more keywords. You're going to make sure that whatever keywords you are already ranking for, you stay ranking for by keeping whatever relevant content you already have in that blog for those keywords. So that's the first thing. The second thing, this is more of a, I don't want to call it an advanced tactic because it's quite simple to do, but it's more niche, uh, something that I've been experimenting with more recently that I've seen work is that if you have a blog that's ranking really well, if you have a blog that's getting a lot of traffic, you're probably going to notice that it's going to have a high bounce rate. Do either one of you guys want to chime in? What, what does bounce rate mean? Why is it bad to have a high bounce rate? Bounce rate is when someone lands on a page and uh, immediately bounces off. So a couple of reasons that could be is page load speed, if it's um, taking too long to load and people don't want to wait, or if they can't tell what to do next or what the page is even about, for example, or they immediately identify that it is not what they thought it was and they will exit out. Yep. A high bounce rate is bad. And it's especially bad because this is one of the things that Google and the other search engines look at when establishing how to rank your website. If they see that people are bouncing from your website at a high percentage, then you're not going to be ranking as well. So point being, if you have a blog that has a lot of traffic, there's a good chance that it's going to have a higher bounce rate because you're casting a wider net. And that's okay, but try to do what you can to decrease that bounce rate. And the way that you can do that is make sure that the rel the most important information is toward the beginning of the blog. So for example, if you're writing a blog about, I don't know, cost, what does it cost to remodel a bathroom in Virginia? Uh, what I would personally recommend is that you put kind of a rough answer in one of the first paragraphs, but then you say something like, and now we're going to expand on that a little bit more in order to keep people reading the blog. But the point is you want to answer the question as soon as possible, because if you don't, someone else will, and then they're going to rank for it. So part of optimization, uh, try to decrease your bounce rate by putting the answer to your reader's questions earlier on in the blog. And also make sure that the early part of the blog is linking to uh other pages on your own website, like what Danielle was saying about increasing your internal linking strategy. It's especially relevant toward the top of the blog, because if people quickly are like, all right, I'm bored with this blog, 
give them another option to click away to a different blog that you have so that they don't just bounce away. But also, I'm going to jump in real quick on oh, that yeah, also. Yeah. Sure. That is another ranking factor for Google. The more pages that you click, the deeper someone gets into your site is yes. also a sign that your website is relevant and helpful. So mm-hmm. just another reason to carefully curate that experience because you want people to click through and for it to be the right experience and to not increase the bounce rate, but to increase the click-through rate. Yeah, user experience is SEO. Like the better your user <laughs> experience is, the better you're going to rank in the search engines. Yeah, thank, thanks for adding that. That's a good point. And then one other thing I recommend is maybe put a relevant uh, call to action early in the blog. So for example, if you have a, um, I know I did this very recently. Let me see if I can think. Oh, yes. Okay. So I had a client who uh, we talked about on episode seven, actually, who has a blog uh, specifically about how much does land cost in, in Houston in their service area. Uh, and that's their best performing blog in terms of how much traffic it gets. So what I want to do is I want to decrease the bounce rate. And in order to do that, I put a call to action for their uh, things to know before buying land in Houston PDF guide, downloadable guide. I put that toward the top of the blog so that they have a conversion opportunity to help move them down the funnel. And also because it's gated content, because it's premium content, people will not be able to access that PDF guide without giving their email and being on your email list, which then enters them into your uh, kind of, it, it, it enables you to nurture them and move them down the funnel because they are now on your email list. You can send them emails um, you can send them your content, et cetera, et cetera. Mal, I have a question for you, or if this is something you've heard as well, but I, I'm trying to remember where I had read it, but I remember reading that you should be putting, I don't know if this is the same for blogs or if it's just strictly for like, um, cause I remember this pertained to when I was doing some web dev stuff at a previous job, but it was on web pages, but I would assume it would be similar on any page you would want to convert people into leads, stuff like that, um, putting the, the CTA above the fold. So like before they would scroll or anything, it's very visible once clicking onto the blog. Is that something that you can talk about? I guess this is open for both parties here, but I had always thought about that. I know that we don't do that all the time when we make blogs. A lot of the time it's towards the bottom, uh, but the blogs aren't very long. But what, is that something that you've done? Because you just mentioned about putting it further up in the blog. Yep, I have a couple thoughts about this. But for our listeners who may not know, what does above the fold mean? I am sorry. Um, above the fold is, if you think about it while you're scrolling down a page, the fold would be, if you use your mouse wheel and go past what would essentially be like the first page. So if you scroll down to like what would be the second, like one full mouse scroll, that would be like below the fold. Right. The fold is everything that you see when you load a page before you do any scrolling at all. Um, I don't know if I would put a CTA but there, but it depends. Usually I don't actually like putting CTAs early on in blogs because once people get to a blog, they want to read the blog. That's why they're there. I, I, I don't tend to want to send them somewhere else early. However, if I notice that a blog has a high bounce rate, that means that a lot of people are going to this blog and they're getting bored quickly or 
for some reason it doesn't feel relevant to them. And that's when I want to capture them and move them. Okay. Maybe you'll like this piece of content better, which is why I might put a CTA higher up additionally. So to reiterate, usually I only recommend putting one CTA on a blog. If it's a really long, if it's a longer blog, it's probably good to have a CTA in the middle and on the bottom. And then if it's a blog that you have that performs really well, but it's just like top of the funnel and you really want to convert those people who are visiting that blog, you'll want to put it early on. But for this client that I was talking about before, this guy doesn't miss. I still, I still didn't put it above the fold because I think that's a little bit too high above the fold is where I want to have our pretty featured image for the blog and to answer their question, and then we'll start getting into it. And then I'll throw a CTA in there, probably. That's an example of a time. Yeah, an example of a time, Matt, where I do think you would want either a button or some kind of call to action above the fold is on like a conversion landing page, especially for an ad. Yes. So if you're paying for a click and someone gets to that page, then one of the ways that you're immediately telling them they made it to the right page is you have that call to action for basically the exact keyword that they searched that they landed on your ad and service page. Gotcha. Uh, we will do so many episodes about that in detail, but oh I did just want to share that that's, that's an example of a time. No, yeah, that 100%. makes sense. That makes more sense than a blog. I've just, for me, I hadn't worked with blogs before or CTAs with blogs. is not something I'm as familiar with as like a landing page. So I was just wondering if that the same rules would apply. Um, also another really quick question, but Mel, you mentioned when you were talking about blogs being, uh, this is the only time, by the way, listener, that I'm going to talk this much. From now on, it's I'm going to be dead silent. Thank um, goodness. Yeah. Um, when you said for a longer blog, you would put like more than one. For the listeners slash for me, I know that we normally do, what was it, like 500 for as like a normal blog for us or something around there. How many words? Is it, do we break it out by words or but not? It's not characters. Characters would be like nuts like 500 no, if, words, we're, right? if we're talking words uh with a blog we generally recommend like 800 to a thousand probably it, now it could be as it could be as low as 500 depending on the topic that yeah so but that would be one cta you're talking about for like 800 to a thousand when you said a long generally, blog yeah. what would you say generally how how would a, a listener who's writing a blog know when to actually do you know two ctas like how long would you say is too long without a CTA, a second one? Yeah, that that's a good question because it's kind of tough to answer. It so th this is where this is where the creative human side of marketing comes out a little bit. When you're thinking of user experience, put yourself in the shoes of the user. Scroll down your blog. Try to remember that people have low attention spans when they're on the internet. Try to think of how far you would get into this blog before you're like, okay, I want to look at something else. And once your brain starts doing that, that's when it's time to give a, a, an opportunity for them to click to something else that's on your website. Otherwise, they might click away. So it's not the kind of thing where it's like after 500 words, put a CTA. It's not that sort of thing. It's once you've scrolled down long enough that you become worried, mm, at this point, I feel like they're probably going to be looking to click away from this page give them an opportunity to do that. Cool. Real quick there also, um, you can play around with different kinds of calls to action. So for example, you can mix in some mm -hmm. like link 
um, like the text links, um, people are a little bit less likely to think that they're being marketed to when it's just a link as opposed to like a button or an image call yeah. to action. And especially with HubSpot, you can also have an exit intent pop-up form. So as someone, so if you're not sure where to get started and you don't know how long is too long without having one, yeah. then you could set up a HubSpot form that pops up either like with a 50% scroll or if someone's been on the page for seven seconds or if there's an exit intent where they can tell that someone is scrolling to the top left corner of their page, then a pop-up can try and catch their attention and stop them from exiting the page. So just some other options. Yep. That's a good I'm one now, too. I will now retreat back to the sound design, sound editing cave. <laughs> <laughs> back where you belong. So to reiterate then, if we're optimizing a top of the funnel blog, our tactics will be looking at keyword research to find more keywords and maintain pre-existing keywords. Look if there's opportunity to add more pretty images to the blog. Uh, look for opportunities to add more internal links to the text. And maybe experiment with adding additional calls to action on the page. Yes. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting. Okay, yes. yes. And. <laughs> yes, and. Um, yes. So we also, <laughs> this is, we can wrap after this, I know, because this is now, this is an advanced tactic that I'm going to talk about. But Ooh. the last thing that we're actively working on for this page, because it's been their top performer for almost two years now, um, the next step is my client is shooting a video about this and walking through every single step, the decisions he made, how to label the panel and like going through an actual panel. And we're gonna post that on YouTube so that he can also rank for these, the exact same queries via video in YouTube because he owns YouTube. And then we will also embed that video from YouTube onto the blog so that it increases the amount of time people spend on that page, which is also a huge Google ranking factor. And there will be links to both, right? So the, the video will be embedded on the website. So they're getting, it's a twofer, they're getting the views on YouTube as well as um, increasing time spent on that page. And then in YouTube, they'll include, like if you wanna learn more, here's a link to this blog. And that way people can hop on over to the blog and <laughs> yeah so that's the like elite level um we've been working in this for a few months now so it's not that's something that happens once you really know exactly what you're going to talk about you know it's your breadwinner it's worth the time and investment in shooting a professional video absolutely if if you i mean really people prefer to engage with video content more often than not uh, so if you are able, shooting a video describing everything that's in the blog is going to be engaged with more than people actually reading the blog. Like, that's a lot less likely. And at Builder Funnel, we do this, too. We'll go back and we'll look at old posts and uh, we'll see if they're still worth optimizing. And if they are, we'll change the content and we'll add a video of us talking through everything in it. There's a couple right. of blogs on our website that I wrote. And then after I saw that they were doing pretty well, I shot a video of me talking through all the points on the blog. And that's only going to help 
boost the performance of those blocks. Advanced tactic, but that doesn't mean it's not worth doing for everybody, honestly. Absolutely. Yes. Um, math is advanced. For free guys. <laughs> advanced mm. in terms of like, it just takes more time and investment. And it's probably um, once you know what page is ranking, that's when you start to invest in video absolutely. but absolutely every everyone should be doing video yes i didn't mean advanced like to scare anyone if anything it was advanced like a challenge yeah consider it a challenge i'll consider this a challenge that we need to talk more about video on a future episode of this podcast because it's so important but i think we babbled on enough perhaps danielle is there anything else that you wanted to add regarding optimization that's really it um, I'm glad you hit all the, the tactics again right there at the end. So dear listener, you can just rewind about two minutes and catch all those tactics. Um, it's, it works. That's kind of the, the summary statement is SEO is always changing. Google changes their algorithm. What? Something like 200 times a day. Probably like that sounds like a lot, but it's, it is something super dramatic. Um, yes. So you just have to continually be tweaking things, even if it's already working right now. Just keep going. Keep making it work better and better for you. Your website should be your best sales tool. Absolutely. All right, we're going to call it at that. Matt, please cue the music. So remember that if you want to leave us a review, leave it on any platform that it is that you're listening to this podcast on. And we're going to send you a free book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint, which will describe how to do a full inbound marketing plan. Again, thanks for listening and uh, we'll catch you on the next one.